Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Massive Attack Podcast. Massive. Massive. (laughs) Beatboxing now. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm your host today, Mitch, and with me as always, Joe. You're very fast tonight, Mitch. It's cold. I want this done. All right. Yes, we are in the freezing cold garden shed in my backyard. You can probably hear the rain falling on the roof. Rain drops falling on our studio. Yes. Well, this is a wonderful winter's day in Melbourne. It's beautiful. Yes. Let's jump straight into it. Let's talk about gaming. Games. Not that you've actually done a no, lot I'll, of games. No, I'll go first because I've done nothing. Okay. I think Stick of Truth broke me. And you didn't I never play got all back that to much it. of it. No, I mean, literally just because in my head it's like, oh, I've got to go back to that game. And I obviously don't want to, so I'm just not gaming. So I have sort of put on the Xbox a couple of times going, oh, I might game for a little while. What can I play? And all I've done is really... Pe- pe- Peggle and Puzzle Quest. They're the other two things I've gone back to. <laughs> so I need a game starts with P, obviously. But yeah, that's it. So gaming, no. No? No. What a shame. Which Puzzle Quest do you play? First one. The second one's better. Have you got the second one on your iPad, haven't you? The I have the second one? one on the Xbox, but oh, my game saves on the, on the first one. I haven't even started the second one. Okay. All right. Well, you. I finished Army of Two. Mm-hmm. And it was good. As I mentioned last month, it was kind of a watered-down gears, and it was enjoyable. Typical Unreal Engine. There was a very sort of arsey boss fight at the end where you had to fight the guy that was in a vehicle, and I couldn't do it for a couple of times, and then I realised that I probably had the wrong weapon, and I used some of my cash that I'd accumulated to buy, replace my shotgun with like an M60 sort of machine gun, and once I got that, I did it first go. Well, you used a shotgun to shoot a thing, though. Yes. Well, I had my normal assault rifle and I had the shotgun and I kept dying because I was trying to shoot it and it kept running me over. And then, yeah, I thought, well, maybe I need a slightly more powerful gun. And once I got my gun, first go. But I was just about ready to rage quit on the final boss. And I thought, no, I've done it about 10 times. I should just go to bed and I should come back to it fresh the next day. And I did. And as I said, yeah, first go. But anyway, speaking of gears, though. Yeah. Um, you've two reminding me of gears. We did actually go back and we finished. Well, all right. That's my one exception to not playing. Well, two exceptions. We, we played a bit of gears. Gears 1, yeah. and then we played a they bit of Gears, gears 2. And they're still, still a damn good game. It's funny, though, because we played from about two-thirds of the way through Gears 1, actually in the story, playing co-op, and I remember the first time we played it, it felt like it took us a long time to do it. But And we got to the end going, is this yeah, it? Really? Yeah, this time we sort of got to that bit with Ram on the train, and it was kind of like, well, that's the end. But yeah, it's it's funny that we played, as I said, some story mode of Gears 1, and then we went back and played an hour or two of Horde on Gears 2. And now this month, the freebie for this second part of July is going to be Gears 3. Really? Yeah. The one we didn't like. Yeah. It, it's funny, because when the beta for Gears 3 came out, I played a lot of the beta, beta, however you yeah. want to call it. And I really enjoyed that. But then by the time the real game came out, I was kind of like, well, I've got my gears fixed. I don't really need any more. And uh, so I was saying to you off air that it's strange that for Games for Gold now, they've given away Gears 1, Gears 3, and Gears Judgment, but they haven't given away Gears 2. I don't know what that was all about. Weird. Hmm, strange. But anyway, speaking of Games for Gold, the other game I've been playing this month is actually Plants vs. Zombies. Which is that tower defense thingy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I've ever played a tower defense, but it just doesn't appeal to me. I don't know why. It's a strange concept. I don't think I've played many tower defences, but this one, as the name suggests, as you like to say, the titular characters of the plants and the zombies, you plant these sort of pea shooters, pea plants that shoot peas, and you 
put them in the way of zombies so when the zombies walk towards them the peas kill them and i've played probably half an hour of it and thought i can see that this is addictive but i'm not going to play anymore at this stage my kids kind of thought it was funny that i was planting different types of like sunflowers to get extra suns that you then convert into seeds which you then build extra plants with so they kind of like that idea but i don't know maybe i just can't get my head around that stuff hmm. it, you can tell that it's popcap like PopCap has that very sort of cartoony sort of feel and you can feel yourself getting addicked just by looking at like Peggle. I, yeah. One night I got the Peggle on the phone and I was playing that until I made the mistake of, uh, I'll just, while I'm in bed, I'll just listen to the, the end of this podcast I was listening to and I'll play some Peggle. And then the podcast ended and I was halfway through a game of Peggle. So I started another podcast <laughs> and played a few more games of Peggle. And then it, it happened again. And it was two o'clock before I went to bed going, what the fuck am I doing? I'm playing Peggle and listening to podcasts. And like, yeah, so it was a very bad slippery slope. I was falling down. Yes. I've got to watch that. Mm. And, and the thing with Peggle, it's not like your normal like you know, Candy Crush addiction where you run out of moves or whatever and you can't go anymore. There's just no ending to Peggle, really. You can just keep going and going and going. Yes, because I've finished the game. Now it's all at the, every level you can ace or clear, so I'm going for that at yeah. the moment. The thing is, now you've played this game. You've played it quite a bit. Yeah, I've talked about it before. A bit of Peggle. Now, <clears throat> it's not like Candy Crush, correct, in the fact that you buy the game and that's it. There is no more purchases. There's yep. no more extra lives. There's no more nothing. You just play the game. Yeah. It's not like the old days of putting 20 cents in a machine where they'll fuck you up so you put another 20 cents in. Yeah, exactly. So it's such a physics-based game, yet the physics fuck with you. Yeah, it's like the physics are not consistent. Like, one mm. time it will bounce and you'll think, yep, I'll hit it That's exactly gonna bounce. the same spot. If we, just quickly, if you don't know, you, you're literally dropping a ball down into a field of pegs and it bounces off the pegs in different directions and eliminates these pegs and you've got a, a bucket down the bottom which, if you get it in, you collect it and you get 10 balls to shoot at these pegs and you've got to eliminate all the orange pegs on this field. Now, you try and angle the bounce off the peg going, all right, it's going to bounce here and I'll be, she'll be able to catch it in the to get extra balls and all yep. this sort of stuff. Sometimes it bounces slowly, just in just enough time for the bucket to move out of the way so it lands. And sometimes it's really quick on the weird angle. And it's like, why are you fucking with it? <laughs> It's not like you need another 20 cents out of me. Why why are you doing this? And it's like, yeah, it just seems a little inconsistent. It's like, why would you program this in, you assholes? It's funny, though, because we we talked a while ago when we talked about Peggle that there wasn't that many Peggle clones. Mm. Candy Crush and all those other Match 3 games, there was just thousands and thousands of versions of, you know, Candy Crush and Candy Collector and all these sort of, like, knockoff clones. But there's hardly any, if any. I remember in the early days when I first got my iPhone, I went looking. Yeah. And there were some really cheap early days of the app store clones that were just not good they just yep. weren't the same but yeah there is there's literally there is no clones there was one that was very similar i can't even remember what it was called now but it was a game that my kids were playing on the ipad that was a frog that was catching drips off a plant or something that was very similar to oh people. frog plant drip yeah yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's exactly yeah. what it's called i think it must be a japanese translation is it frog, <laughs> frog plant drip but yeah but no it's it's weird and it's strange that i'd like yourself i think i have gone back and played Peggle 1 more than I've played Peggle 2. I played some Peggle 2. Oh, did you? Yeah. Because, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've completed Peggle 2 on the Xbox. So. Well, that's what I'm playing on the Xbox is Peggle 2. And I was playing Peggle 1 on the phone. Have you got the Peggle Knights expansion? I bought Peggle Knights last week. <laughs> and I finished it last week. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, the joys of PopCap getting your money, isn't it? Oh, it's $1.79 or something. It's incredible, though, isn't it? It's such a time sink. 
and for that little outlay you can just spend hours and hours of time and it's kind of rewarding and i don't even have ode to joy turned on even though that was part of the 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 benefit of all that but anyway that's enough peggle we've talked about it for like three years now i know it's it's probably longer than that isn't it even before we had a podcast we used to just sit around and talk about peggle to people who just we knock on people's doors that we the podcast is so much easier to tell people yeah some people don't get uh, the idea when you knock on the door and go, can you spare a moment of your time to talk about Peggle, the saviour? Anyway, that, that's probably gaming, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. As well. far as the run sheet goes, yes. There is yeah. no more gaming. None. Oh, there, there is one other thing I probably need to briefly mention. and they... You're back in Supercard. No, I've got rid of that addiction, but Excellent. I am still playing a little bit of SimCity Build It and Clash of Clans. A little However, bit. We were watching Raw before we record and you were yeah. playing a bit of the Innocent City. Yes. Not a little bit. Not a little bit. I'm First thing in the morning when I get up, I look at my city. But anyway, <laughs> the other thing I've bought is the Xbox Ultimate Sale is on at the moment and I picked up uh, Monopoly Plus, I think it's called, which is kind of like a 3D animated Monopoly. Mm. with a 3D That's what I was missing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But after playing half a game with my wife last weekend, we were both sitting there going, maybe we should try what the classic mode is. Because <laughs> it, it takes a lot longer because you've got to wait for your little animation of your dog to run around and the dice rolling and you know the for sale signs at the front of your house but it does all the adding up for you and it gets you to put the you know free parking on if you want to have your house rules where free parking gets all the taxes and stuff but, doesn't make yeah. sense free parking free parking what when have you gone to a parking spot and people have given you money no it doesn't happen no, it doesn't it doesn't happen it's free parking no. but when have i ever just been walking down the street and i picked up a card that told me i had to go to jail directly <laughs> to jail do not pass go anyway more chance of that happening no that's but, a community chest not a chance mm. <laughs> but yeah that, that's the only other gaming I've done really and mm. yeah but that was I think $6.70 or something in the sale half price and you've got to love Xbox maths They've, there's games that are in the sales that are you know 70% off and they're selling them for $49 it's like I don't remember them being as expensive as that in you know when you yes. can go down the shop and buy it on a disc for that same price yeah. but anyway that's probably gaming yeah let's go to TV and this will be a little bit one sided as well looking at the run sheet as well mm-hmm. there's been a few things that I've been watching one of them is the new series of WWE Tough Enough although saying that I've only watched one and a half episodes and the sort of hour long special where they met the cast and picked their original it's slightly different to previous Tough Enoughs where they've now got a, a bit of a live element where they do their eliminations live right. and they have a Twitter vote and you vote for 15 minutes on Twitter and the the lowest voted person gets voted off. Oh, wow. Yeah, which uh, it's kind of weird because they obviously have their pre-recorded stuff where it's them doing the challenges and the you know the kids in the house type stuff, but then they all come into the studio. The judges who are Hulk Hogan, Paige, and Daniel Bryan, no tea, <laughs> that uh, they sort of select who they think should be in the bottom three and then you vote for who you want to be in the bottom and the, that person goes home. Well, that's that's on the network. So that's, I mean, I know you watch it on Foxtel here, but the um, live component will be on the network not actually on Foxtel I've been watching it on YouTube here in Australia but it's on USA in the States and it's on YouTube everywhere else in the world the live bit okay it's just so so people watching so I mean it, it adds an element to it that makes people own the show a little bit more I think so but it's your typical reality TV in the fact that the judges do have the ability to save someone. So if it ever gets to the point where their favourite's about to be eliminated, they can use their save. Well, the fact that they can bottom out three means that they're going to keep whoever well, they want in the top. Th- they they pick the three, and then one person out of that three goes home. Yeah, but the fact is, you can always save someone yeah. by not putting them in the bottom three yeah, exactly. the whole way through. Even if the people don't want them there, they can always keep them out of that elimination area. Yeah. So it's safe. 
Yeah, exactly. And I guess that was the same problem they fell into with like when they did that in excess Rockstar and stuff, that the person that everyone thought should win, they were saving them, the judges were saving them, and the minute they got into the the bottom three and the public had a chance to vote, the public voted them out, because, you know... The judges liked them, but the public didn't. But anyway, so yeah, I've been watching a little bit of that. I haven't been quite as religiously watching that as I thought I would, probably because unlike the previous season where Stone Cold was hosting it, Chris Jericho just doesn't have the same sort of appeal that Stone Cold Mm. does. But anyway, other than that, I've been watching a little bit of uh, an an old show that's actually on Foxtel box office uh, box sets called Carnival. 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 Yeah, starring... very brown. Well, it is. It's sort of set in 1930s rural America with the migrants leaving the big dust storms in Oklahoma and going around the rest of the southern states, sort of in the Depression, sort of that Grapes of Wrath time. And it focuses on a priest who was played by Clancy Brown, this sort of... That's a Kurgan? Yeah, and this other kid that finds out that he's got healing powers who I think is played by Nick Stahl, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so far we're five episodes in, and it's kind of hooked me. I heard it's really slow, but it's worth it. It, it is yeah. very much a slow burn. Like, my wife watched the first episode herself, and she was like, I think this is good, we should watch it together, but you watch the first episode and see what you think. And, yeah, there's not a lot actually happened in that first episode, but it, it does chug along at a very slow pace. But it, it's kind of interesting, and it's in my wheelhouse, because it's like a travelling freak show. And I do like that whole idea of, like, the 30s freak shows and stuff. It's not in the horror element like um, American Horror Story was, but it does have a few little kind of gory bits in it. And there is a midget and a bearded lady and a tattooed sort of freak. No pinheads, unfortunately. Mm. Oh, but, I don't think uh, there are many around anymore. No, probably not. But the the midget that's in it was actually the midget that was from Twin Peaks, the guy that oh, does the, yes. you know, the suits back in fashion or whatever the, that guy but he's probably one of the weakest things about the show his acting isn't very good I don't think he's much of an actor no he can just talk backwards and dance yes I think he came up a little bit short feel free to laugh anyway no. but yeah so we're shaking my head violently five episodes into that and I think there was only two seasons so we're, like that. we're going through it pretty quickly but yeah all of that's on the box sets channel on Foxtel so we've been watching that speaking of miniseries as well I watched the Houdini documentary Documentary? Well, a documentary, you know. Miniseries. Miniseries, mm. yeah. Not a documentary because there's actors in it and they embellished Acting. the Houdini story. Embellished or total of crap? Um, I'm not sure. It was. You would have read the wiki I before it finished. The, I, no, I read the wiki, yeah, before it <laughs> finished, exactly. I read the wiki in between watching the first episode and the second episode. It stars, is it Adrian Brody? Aiden Brody? How does he pronounce Adrian it? Adrian Brody, isn't Adrian it? Brody, yeah, the guy with the big nose. As, big lats? Mm. I saw the trailer for it, he was... Big boy. Yeah, he's he's very convincing as Houdini. Doesn't have the Hungarian accent that the real Houdini would have had. But the first episode was really good. It sort of told the story of him wanting to be more than just a magician and starting with the whole escapism and... Is that the right word? Yeah. Escapists? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, his sort of strange relationship that he had with his wife. And, yeah, afterwards reading the wiki, they... In the series, they put on this whole sort of side plot that he goes to Germany and they get him to be a spy for MI5, the English spies and stuff. Did that happen at all? Well, there was no mention of it on the wiki, so I, I okay. don't think that's actually real. Do they address um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Was yes, there is. That? In the second episode of the miniseries, it's quite a lot about Arthur Conan Doyle and his, his wife and how Houdini was sort of anti-mediums and yeah. very much a sceptic. 
tactic. Mm. But yeah, there was a few things they did and it was kind of like, well, why would you do that? But apparently Houdini is like one of seven kids and his mum was his his muse, basically, that he did everything to try and please his mum and his mum was his whole life and, you know, any time he was sad, he would talk to his mum. And in the TV show, it's just him and his brother. There's no other mention of any other family and it's like, well, that's a bit strange. Yeah, because him and Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, were really good friends. And But the only thing they didn't see eye to eye on was Arthur Conan Doyle, obviously famous for writing Sherlock Holmes, a super observant character. The only thing he did believe in was fairies and mediums and those sort of things, which Houdini, being a magician escapologist, knows that there's all fakery and things like that. Yeah. And then I, I did hear the story that when his mother died, he was quite distraught, which makes yeah, sense yeah. if you're telling me that. And Houdini, um, Doyle was saying, oh, we'll get a medium in, we'll do this, we can talk to her. It's like, it doesn't happen, it doesn't work. Yeah, well, the whole thing, in, and I think for real with Houdini as well, he had this whole like bit where he put up a big wad of money and said, if I can prove, or if anyone can prove that mediums are real, I will give them this money. And he disproved a bunch of them. And Conan Doyle's wife was this famous medium and they had a big falling out over the, the whole, whether they were real or not. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so glad the, I watched The real it. story's better than the one they gave you? Yeah, I think so. Like there was a whole big bit about Houdini where he bought an aeroplane and they showed him buying the plane in, in France in the miniseries, but then it went nowhere. But apparently he bought this plane and he actually came out to Australia and he holds some bizarre record that he was meant to be the first person to fly in Australia, but apparently that wasn't true. But, yeah. Apocryphal. Apocryphal, exactly. Yeah. Yes. It add is that, a word. I don't know what it means. <laughs> add that to titular and we've got two big words for the night. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Other than that, I've fallen into another rabbit hole and my children being the big Star Wars I'm just going to call you Alice from now on. Yes. There is a new series of uh, Lego Star Wars called Droid Tales, which is based around C-3PO regaining his memory that was wiped at the end of Revenge of the Sith and retelling the story of pretty much the prequel movies with all the crap bits taken out. So he should know who Darth Vader is. Why does he not know? Yes. Is it canon? Well, no, it's not canon. (laughs) And there's a couple of really funny bits in it, which was really good. Like, uh, what's the dude who does the pod race that Anakin was working for? His name Waldo or something? Watto. Watto. There's one bit where Anakin is talking to Padme, and Watto jumps up behind him going, red flags, I've got these red flags for sale. As if to say, you know, like a warning that you know, Anakin's going to turn. And then later on, Anakin's talking again, and he's got a danger sign, and he's got, danger sign, I've got this danger sign. And I thought that was really funny. And then they do a little bit of, in the first episode that I've watched, they have... Mace Windu in the bit from Attack of the Clones where he's doing the big arena battle and the the, the battle droids come up and he goes, get these blaster-firing droids off my droid-making planet. Kind of like a bit of a, an in-joke to snakes on a plane. Mm-hmm. So I got a really good laugh out of that and my kids are like, why are you laughing? <laughs> it's like, I'll show you snakes on a plane. Yeah, one day. <laughs> but anyway, they decided that they really liked this droid cartoon. So I went back and dug up the, the original like 1980s droid cartoon and showed them an episode of that and it probably doesn't hold up did it ever i don't know did it uh, again that wasn't canon but the one i watched i think was the first episode where they meet like two guys that are land speed land speed of races or something mm. but no the kids kind of enjoyed it but oh, i don't my think old it band in the 80s land speed of races yeah. yeah but that led me into my rabbit hole because i found it on a website called kiss cartoon just nothing but cartoons about the band kiss what well, 
pretty much any cartoon that you can imagine, they have probably got it. Denver the Last Dinosaur? Probably. I didn't actually look at that. Jace of Star Command? Uh, I don't know. But they had Wacky Races, which my wife and I watched an episode of that. Stop that pigeon. Yes, which was actually called Dick Dastardly and His Flying Machines or something, but everyone thinks it's called Stop the Pigeon. But yeah, there was just like a ton of... Cliff? Yes. They even had the Rambo cartoon, which I've never actually watched. Mr. Ben? Uh, I don't know, but you can find that on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, they they had just a ton of old cartoons. They have... Legend of the Overfiend? Well, leading on to that, they <laughs> um, have an offshoot website, which um, is called Kiss Anime, which I also stumbled across. And then I ended up watching a whole season of anime of a show that's based around Japanese women's wrestling called Wanna Be the Strongest in the World. And at first I'd kind of seen a a little clip of this on YouTube when I was looking up Japanese women's wrestling at one stage and trying to find the Tiger Mask anime, which is very hard to find from the late 60s, I think it's that was. Kiss anime? No, it's not, unfortunately. But I, I found this Want to Be the Strongest in the World, and it's 12 episodes, and I found myself watching, over the course of a week, all 12 episodes of this Japanese anime. So I'm assuming it's good. Yeah. If you like Japanese wrestling, and I later found out a term that they call is ecchi, I think it is, being the slightly titillating, showing a bit of boobs but no sex or anything type anime. Mm-hmm. So it's Japanese women's wrestling. There is a lot of strange noises that the it women are making like when they're wrestling. Yeah. If you didn't know any better. Well, exactly. Because I was watching it and my wife's like, why are you watching porn? And I'm like, it's not porn, it's wrestling. <laughs> and I stand by that. And, but no, it's like, you know, these women are in Boston Crabs. The, the camera zooms in on, you know, the boobs and the crotch and, and, and that. And, you know, there's the, the scenes where they're getting changed after their matches and they just happen to show their boobs for some reason. But, yeah. But no interesting. Bush because they don't show that in Japan. No. Well, they all had on They don't exist in Japan. But it was, it was strange in the fact that they made the wrestling in it. They made out that the wrestling in it was real. So. It, what do you mean? <laughs> it is real. Yeah, in Japan it is. But no, they're, they're like so they're in a hold, and she's like, oh, this is really painful, and I, I can't control it. And, you know, have you been to Boston Crab? It is fucking painful. Yes. Yeah. But all of the stuff they were, they were, you know, there was no talk of, you know, being friends with the person and, you know, working matches or anything. It was all that it was all. What does this speak of, working matches? But anyway, the, the premise is it's a girl that's a singing idol that decides that she should give up on singing and become a wrestler. Oh, too. that age old story. But no, I really enjoyed it. The, the character itself. I don't think is based on anyone, but she has this mentor who's called Mizaki Toyota, and she is based on Minami Toyota, the Japanese wrestler. Hmm. But no, it was good. I really enjoyed it. So now that you finished that, what's next? I don't know. There, I looked at the wiki about wrestling cartoons and wrestling animes, and there was a couple that have brief bits of wrestling in it. Grappler. Uh, yeah, there's one Barky the Grappler or Grappler Barky. That there's a couple of seasons of that. And the first one, there's a, a little bit of wrestling in that, but then it turns kind of more like ultimate fighting sort of stuff but i've already watched that anyway but is there a tekken one or something there is yes there's a there's tekken and there's also virtual fighter i think there was there's a king of fighters anime there wasn't a dead or alive one which is a bit of a shame because i think that would be good rather than the kevin nash holly valance movie that's a good movie i don't know but yeah getting back to this kiss anime if you are an anime fan and i don't know how they get around the legality of streaming tv series they're probably not. Most of it is kind of linked in with uh, Daily Motion. Okay, which so is, maybe it is legit. Well, Daily Motion's a bit like YouTube, only they don't seem to have the copyright laws because anytime something gets pulled off YouTube, you can normally find it on Daily Motion. Oh, pulled off? No, there'd be more Pornhub or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> you're just wrong. Yeah. But no, I, as I said, if you're an anime fan, there's a lot of old anime, there's new anime, there's stuff that I've heard of and never actually watched 
like one piece everyone raves about and they've got pretty much the whole of that on there so eventually if I have some more time I probably will go back and watch myself a bit more mm-hmm. does it work on the iPad it does I've been watching it all on the Sweet. iPad Sweet. I thought I'd be smart and try and watch it through the Internet Explorer on the Xbox, but Mm. there is no video player on the Xbox, so it doesn't work. But I've been watching all of it on the iPad. And if you actually sign up and become a member, which I have done, you can have download links if you do it on your PC. Yeah, and it's it's all real... Like, like paid for member or... No, it's no... Freebie. You just need to give them an email address and thousands of dollars get siphoned from your bank account probably. I don't know. Oh, you don't know about it, so it's fun. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's I highly recommend it. Kisscartoon.me is the website or kissanime.me. And there is another link where you can go and watch Japanese soapies as well, but I haven't actually gone into that yet. So yes, that's my TV watching. Yeah. What about yourself, Mitch? One thing that I can think of and that would be I think I've talked about Veronica Mars in the past you have we finally got hold of season 3 mm. so my wife and I powered through season 3 and we're done so that's it there's only three seasons yep mm. it was a pretty bummer ending i got to say it was sort of like they didn't know if they were getting season 4 or not and they sort of just finished on this thing Where I mean Veronica Mars is really enjoy it for what it is it's, it's very similar like a James Elroy LA Confidential sort of feel it's got that noir detectiveness about it but it just happens to be a teenage girl who's the detective but because it's set in San Diego it's got this yellow feel to it you know that is the California sort of sunset perpetual thing yeah and it's good it's like mysteries and there's generally an an episode like a mystery for each episode plus there's an overarching storyline that she sort of works out in season three she actually figured out the main overarching storyline she finished that halfway through the season they actually created another one which went out so there was two big ones as opposed to one big one throughout the season but really good i'm sort of happy like i would it's good that it finished and it's like you want more as opposed to oh yeah could could have done because i watch things like burn notice and psych and a few other shows which got to like season sixes and you're going yeah i'm watching it out of habit now as opposed to wanting more so it's good that it ends early with an okay ending as opposed to dragging it out to a eh, what are we doing here okay but yeah it, it was good it was good that's good. That's about it. All right. Well, before we jump into movies, yeah. you actually had a trip to the theatre, showing your bit of culture again. I did. Yeah, there was a play of a theatre version of North by Northwest. The Nothing Alfred to do Hitchcock with Kenya? Nothing to do, thank Christ. No, um, the Alfred Hitchcock film, they turned into a play. And I was like, this is... I really like the movie. I was yep. like, this could be interesting. I don't mind the theatre. I don't like theatre cunts, but I do like the theatre. <laughs> and in the audience, there were some theatre cunts, but... but the, the show itself was really good and the way I mean and I, I am a frustrated theatre director uh, very much so like every time I go see something like I'll go see Britney Spears show not because I like Britney or anything but because I just like to take in how the production is done and how they you know the logistics of the stage show and I like Britney but watching North by Northwest it's like how are they going to do this you know you've got the Mount Rushmore scene you've got the crop duster scene it's sort of like this is going to be interesting but when you actually said that you were going to see North by Northwest I was like well how are they going to do the plane well I'll explain it's really good like the sets were minimal it was literally a a blank stage hang on with... before we go too much further is this still showing no alright so there's no spoilers so no. if you tell us how it is no one's going to rush out and see it tomorrow and get worried that mm. blown the ending for them so that's no. alright but so it's a blank stage and a grid almost comes down it's it's a wire grid you know we're talking it's a, a framework a wire frame will come down and that yep. will they will utilise that to the, be the stage so people are using that as train doors or, or front of a building or elevators and things like that they open up in certain ways but it's all see through so 
a lot of theatre of the mind in that way that you've got to make it up. But what they did do was rear projection. And on the sides, on the wings of each, both sides of the stage, there was a blue screen and a green screen. And there was a camera in the, the in those screens and people would put, actors would put things in front of the camera and that would be projected. So there was a bit where they were driving in a taxi. So they were on a couch and two actors were pushing them around like they're in a taxi. And they had these other actors in the side with the green screen. They had a um, like a cityscape on cardboard that they would move back and forth on the camera, interacting with them driving the car. And that was really clever. And then when it was time for the crop duster, they had they put in front of the camera a little cornfield and a guy with a an aeroplane on a red stick that they lost in the red screen and they flew it over the top and I was just like that's genius so you could have just had a pre-recorded projection yeah. and that would have been fine but the fact that it's live and interactive and you're seeing the actors use it it just added another element of theatre and it was just really well done and when they came to actually counting climbing out Mount Rushmore they had the green screen and the blue screen again so they had two actors on either side of the stage with their heads in front of the camera <laughs> playing the mountain I mean it was all projected at the back and there was a bit where he's climbing up ahead and the guy's just bringing his head up higher and higher towards the camera. It's very clever. It was just really well done. It was a really good performance. So really glad I went, really. And where was that? That was done by the Mother Theatre Company okay. at the Arts Centre or whatever. You know, the one without the spire. There you go. Very cultured. I feel it. All right. So well, yogurted. we will go from something high culture and we'll jump into the big, 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 big. I feel it, Porky Pig. Uh, we will jump into the big blockbuster that you have seen for this month, and that is the new Terminator film. Terminator. Terminator? Don't. don't. Just don't. No? No. How do you pronounce the uh, thing? Genesis. Genesis? No, it's Genesis. But is it? Yeah. It's spelt funny. It's, it's a product in okay. the movie. But yeah, it's just not... Are you a Terminator fan? No, I thought I was, but I realised I haven't anymore. seen Terminator 3, so I haven't seen everything Terminator. I think I've seen Terminator 3. Is that the one with the... Well, you wouldn't know because you haven't seen it, but it's is it the one with the... The female Terminator. Oh, okay. And the uh, funeral scene where it yes. comes out of the, the coffin? Which oh, yes. I haven't seen. Yeah. I have seen that. I haven't seen Terminator... Salvation? Salvation, yes. Don't. Okay. Yeah. So who's in this new one? It's Daenerys from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. She's Sarah Connor. Okay. Some Aussie dude playing John Connor. And I think another Aussie dude playing Kyle Reese and Arnold Schwarzenegger. In his return to decent acting? No, he's probably the best thing, yeah. Yeah? Uh, it's fun. Like, his comic timing and stuff from Terminator 2 there and all that. But it's just... It's sort of like hitting the buttons of, oh, I remember this from this one, I remember this from this one. You like these bits, don't you? Yeah, it's like, I don't care. There is one cool moment, and that's where they destroy a T-1000. Like, they set a trap to destroy one, and it was, re- it was really cool. But apart from that, okay. Like, they remade bits. Like, they re- literally refilmed bits from the first Terminator again. And the fact that they went and did that scene for scene properly, that's great that they did that, but I don't care. Okay. Well, I have actually had a trip to the cinema, which is highly unlike me, really. But it has just been school holidays here in Australia, and we took our kids to see the Minions movie, because both of them are fans of Despicable Me, and my wife and I both kind of enjoy both Despicable Me and Despicable Me too. so yeah. Yep, we'll take the kids. And... The joy of the Despicable Me movies is there's a separate story, and the Minions are kind of little comic relief in between mm-hmm. seriousness... Of the, the dessert movie? to the meal. Yes, but you can't sit down and eat dessert. an hour and a half of dessert. Really. Yeah, I thought Which that is, might be the case. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Well, the main story of it is that there is these three minions that go and try and find a new boss for them. So they go to this evil convention to find evil. And the main baddie is played by Sandra Bullock, or voiced by Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. And she is called 
Mrs. Scarlet or something. And she's quite over the top, and John Hamm plays her husband in a very over-the-top sort of criminal inventor type way. Mm -hmm. And the whole storyline of that, it's a period piece that's set in the 60s, so there's a lot of 60s music and 60s English references because they go to England. So there's more of that for the adults, but in the other side of things is the three main minions go off to do this sort of mission and all the other minions left in this cave, and there's a couple of funny bits with the leftover minions, but again, it's it's not enough to really carry the whole movie. How did the kids like it? My kids loved it, and they went away, you know, speaking to each other in that pseudo-Spanish mock sort of language that the minions speak, but yeah, I don't know, it's like, I can see why they've done this, because everyone sat around after Despicable Me and went, oh, I really love those minions, there should be more of those minions, but it's one of those careful what you wish for sort no, of things, really. No, it's because minions sell. Yeah, and obviously they do, because my boys have just been mad for McDonald's Happy Meal toys because they've got the minions, and they've got almost a full collection despite the fact that we probably only go to McDonald's you know, once a week if we're lucky. But every time they go, they manage to get a different one, which is highly unlikely for McDonald's because normally you just end up with like 10 of the crap ones and none of the good ones. Mm. But yes, that was my trip to the cinema. Other than that, Mitch, have you been watching anything else? Yes, yes I have. All right. I, I, I'll start with the film first. Well, not the film. Veronica Mars. Ah, oh, what's back. that about? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, interesting story. Because Veronica Mars, like I said, sort of ended. They didn't know if they were going to get another season or not, and obviously they didn't. And oh, 2011, I think it was, Rob Thomas, not Matchbox 20 Rob Thomas, but the show creator, there was enough groundswell that it's like, we really want to finish this off. Why don't we use this thing, Kickstarter, and see what we can do? So they actually kickstarted a movie, and I think Warner Brothers was involved, and they said, if you can get $2 million, we'll fund the rest of it, and we'll, you can make a Veronica Mars movie. Yeah. So I watched the doco afterwards on, on the DVD, and it's sort of like, yeah, all right, so within 12 hours... They got $2 million. Wow. Yeah. That was the qu- quickest quick starter ever. The qu- quickest kick starter ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was pretty amazing in that way. So they got this movie made and it was good. And it's pretty much fan service. And, you know, there's a lot of people who paid all this extra money to be in the movie itself. And afterwards, because cool. I watched the movie going, there's some weird scenes. Not weird scenes. It doesn't take you out of the film. But I thought that's... And then it made sense later on. I was like, oh, they're all, you know funders for the crowdfunding but I mean it was a good ending it was set you know 10 years on or whatever 8 years on and everyone's moved on a little bit going back to see them and yeah it was a very satisfying ending to the show and oh, I'll pay it and it was funny hearing her say fuck it was like whoa because you know it was sort of a big deal I guess because they went on the TV anymore yeah. she just tells someone to fuck off and you're going yeah awesome well, that, that's like the South Park movie isn't it oh, it's well, like the minute it starts they cash in on the fact that they're not on TV yeah so I, I saw that and it was, it was very good and I, I've, I've gotten in myself into a podcast called Last Podcast on the Left which is incredibly wrong if it, it I mean, it, it talks about serial killers, it talks about cults, it talks about mass suicides, it talks about everything that, like that, that's bad. But it's done by three to four comedians in America, and it is fucking hilarious. And I don't, I can't recommend it to too many people. It's like, why are you laughing? It's like, because these guys are talking about this, like, Yorkshire Ripper and what he's doing to people. It's like, no, I shouldn't be laughing. But fuck, it's funny. And I've actually got you onto it. Yeah, now, yeah. So. I've listened to a couple of episodes, and I, I will concur that it is very wrong, but very funny indeed. Yeah, so they're talking about a lot of famous murderers or famous cases or famous, you know, homicides or whatever. Yep. And there's a lot of docos about all these different people, like Ed Gain or... Um, 
um, yeah, John Wayne Gacy or any of these, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. So I've been YouTubing a lot of real crime docos of late. Well, you did kind of fall into that rabbit hole after we watched The Jinx that you mm. wanted more of that sort of And that's, I think, how I got sort of onto... Things, yeah the podcast is going I think someone actually I've been getting into Jonestown a bit lately so with Jinx and Jonestown and that sort of stuff it sort of I found my way to the Jonestown episode of last podcast and then from there I've just gone Ed Gang Crazy so uh, yeah I've been watching a few different like real true crime docos on YouTube and that's not stopping anytime soon because there's something like 200 episodes of this show so there's so much to catch up on and almost every episode gives me more I want to go investigate that one more and investigate that so I'm not almost a crazy person who's getting the jollies out of these things it's just the way they present the telling of the information is so damn entertaining and but the stories themselves are also intriguing so that's sort of what I've been getting into and I mean docos is watching one and there's one I did watch one doco recently called Dear Zachary which I didn't know much about and I knew the one thing I didn't know was like don't read anything about it just watch it and it was on Netflix so I picked it up I was like oh yeah I'll, I'll watch this and it, it got me okay. I, I'm not going to say too much about it what it is is it's about a a filmmaker who's talking to the audience like it's showing all this footage of him like what he filmed back in the 70s 80s sorry with his mates and he goes I'm a filmmaker these are my friends we used to make films when I was a teenager and apologies for the rain it, it's it's getting harder yeah, we're building an arc. Yeah, and it talks about this guy who was a friend of everybody. He was in all these films. He was great. He was this. He was that. And then it sort of keeps telling a story. And then it's talking to different people, talking about this one character. And then it turns out, it's like, oh, yeah. And that's his ex-girlfriend that none of us liked. She was a bit strange. And then he ended up being shot dead in a park. Mm. And <coughs> it's about this woman who did it. And then it comes out that, you know... She ends up going back to Canada where she was from. This is a real, you know, real story, documentary. Yeah. And she's bailed Canada and they're trying to get her to stand trial in America to say that you killed our son or the, the parents are trying to push this, but she's in Canada and there's no extradition laws. So they end up, while they're trying to work all this out, they sort of say, oh yeah, and by the way, four months later, I'm pregnant with your son's baby. So I was like, oh. So the parents end up moving to Canada to get close to and try and work stuff out. And that's when the documentary maker says, oh, and this is for you, Zachary. This is... I, I, my goal was to meet everyone your dad knew and they could tell stories to camera so you never met your dad but at least you can get to know who he was so Zachary's the baby yeah so it's it's that story and it goes on and you're watching this play out there's court cases she ends up going to jail so the she has a baby, the grandparents are looking after the baby for a while, she gets let out of jail, so it goes back to the mum. I'm not going to go any further than that, but let's just say I was a bit of a mess at the end of it. It was just heavy. And I can imagine it's, heavy. it's pretty bloody hard to be a parent knowing that this is your grandson, but the yep. mother has killed your son. Yes. So she ended up being out of jail because the fucking court system there was shit, and it's like, oh, it was a one premeditated murder. It's probably not going to happen again because she killed him for an act of passion so it's probably safe for her to get out it's all right so she was released and got the kid again so they're cohabitating with their son's murderer like they're taking the kid the kid to swimming lessons with her and all this sort of stuff and it's just it's just it's heavy and yeah so but it was it was very good but it was yeah it probably affected me a lot more now as a parent than it would have Mm. if i wasn't that's strange isn't it Mm. 
Well, other than that, though, I've watched a couple of movies. Looks like you've watched a few looking at this running shoot. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, as I said before, it's the school holidays, so my Star Wars obsessed kids have decided that they wanted to watch some more Star Wars, so we've now actually finished the prequels. We'd watched Phantom Menace a little while ago, and I think I mentioned that on the, the podcast before, but over the last week we've now watched Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Mm. And How is Attack of the Clones? Attack of the Clones isn't as bad as Revenge of the Sith. Really? But the Hayden Christensen's acting is just terrible. I hate the sound. And a lot of the CGI just does not hold up. Like, there's there's one bit in, which I think it was in Attack of the Clones, where Cab Duke jumps on this, like, little speeder bike scooter sort of thing and flies away. And mm-hmm. it just looks so fake, mm-hmm. which is a real shame. And what about the big-ass cow that he jumps on when they're having their picnic? Yeah, that looks pretty shit as well. Yeah. But it's not as bad as just the lines that he has to deliver about how he loves <laughs> and all that sort of stuff mm. but yeah I, I don't know I, my kids are eight and four so the four-year-old didn't really like it he thinks it's a bit too much and the eight-year-old was really excited about it but i don't think he gets a lot of it has like, he seen the original trilogy yet? he has okay. he, he watched them kind of asked about the correct order yeah <laughs> he watched the original trilogy and then he's watched yes. the prequels and like, i think like it should be i keep threatening them that we should watch caravan of courage next but my wife's like no don't watch it They'll love it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's, there's bits in Revenge of the Sith where I just don't think he understands what's going on. Like, the bit yeah, where... Yeah, the higher ground. Where Anakin comes into the room with the younglings. And I was like, well, this is the bad bit. And he's like, why? And I'm like, well, he kills the kids. <laughs> but yeah, my, my eight-year-old didn't really see that coming but I don't know like Revenge of the Sith is did he understand why the Emperor's face went all pruny for no fucking reason no nobody understands no. that <laughs> no I, like I don't know and it's funny I had dinner last week with uh, a friend of mine and his wife and he is a massive Star Wars fan and he was how big like we're talking 300 pounds no I mean he's oh. a, a big fan of Star Wars oh, okay. not a big Star Wars fan but he's older than I am but yet he prefers the prequels to the real movies dumb cunt yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to use the word that often, but you can't say that. So yeah, unless I, you're 12, you cannot say that. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't understand how Is he, he can justify it. Or something? No, no, what, he's not. No. Well, did he? Did you ask him to justify? He he just stands by the fact that they're good movies. I, I don't really understand why. He has he seen anything besides those six films? He likes the Lord of the Rings movies. So he's seen nine films or what? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, but he's a, a big fan of the prequels, and he can even justify that yes they are shit movies and George shouldn't write uh, you dialogue, know, dialogue. He I mean, should that's, that's movies, fine I mean I, we can all acknowledge that yeah it's just strange but he was very much convinced that you know they are good movies and when we were bagging them out he was like no I'll get none of that but speaking of bad movies and a movie I think that you probably have seen is The Amazing Spider-Man 2 I oh that yeah recently. that was bad <laughs> yeah and speaking of big piles of poo and two and a half hours of life that I'm not going to get back, I, I don't really think it had any redeeming features. Emma Stone was kind of good, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, just... a terrible story, bad effects. It kind of finished and then it didn't. It went on for an extra half an hour with a whole bit with the rhino that was really unnecessary. Yeah, I was building to the sequels that we're never going to get. Yeah, but no, I, I'm, I watched that and I was like, well... It was, was redundant. Yes. But another movie that I hadn't previously seen and my wife convinced me that I should watch it because it was good is The Shawshank Redemption. I don't believe you hadn't seen this. No, I don't believe I hadn't seen it either. It's one of those movies that everyone talks about 
and I was just like, yeah, I should watch that one day. I should watch Andy it. Andy Dupree. Oh, that was my best biography. <laughs> there was nothing like it. <laughs> but no, I actually really liked it. It's an amazing film. And Clancy Brown's in that too. He plays yeah. the uh, hard-ass well, prison guy. Mm. But no, I, I loved it. I don't know why I hadn't seen it before. I remember when it first came out, like, I didn't know about it. Like, it hit the cinemas, and I don't think it really got that much of a buzz. But when it hit video, that's when everyone saw it. Everyone's yeah. like, you've got to see this movie. Check out this movie. It was like Field of Dreams for me in that way. It was sort of like, on video is when it's sort of like, oh my God, this thing is a thing. Yeah. It's now, like I, Die Hard. Did you say Die Hard at the cinema? I think I probably would have been too young. No, I don't know. I, I, you know maybe not. I can remember definitely seeing Die Hard 2 at the yeah, cinema. Yeah, I definitely did too, but I didn't see... I saw Die Hard 1 on video, and I didn't know it existed at the cinema. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how I missed it. Where I saw Predator and all those other movies. I definitely saw Predator. I can remember seeing it. I remember it. that, yeah. but I just... It's just one of those things that's like, how did I not know Die Hard was at the cinemas? I, I finally saw it on video going, how did I miss this? Hmm. It's like, you with Shawshank. It's only taking yeah. you 20 years. It's funny, though, because I have actually read the short story that it's based oh. on, because when I was a younger man, and I used to read a lot, I used to read a lot of Stephen King. Rita so Hayworth I, and the Shawshank. Oh, yeah, so I had read yeah. the story, so I knew what was going to happen. Hmm. And, yeah, I liked it. Tim Robbins was good. Morgan Freeman was good. The supporting cast were really good. Gil Bellows, who I recognised from something when he was on the screen, but I couldn't remember what I'd seen him in. He plays like the young greaser guy that comes. But no, I really enjoyed that. Hmm. And speaking of movies that are old and whether they hold up or not, my wife and I again had a bit of an action movie phase one weekend and I finally convinced her to watch Fast Five. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that holds up as well as everyone <gasps> says it is. No. It's probably a bit of blasphemy here. Yeah, Everyone has been raving about how well, Fast Five is... Thank you for listening to Massive Attack. This is the last episode. <laughs> I cannot work with my um, partner anymore. But yeah, everyone raved about how it's the best action movie of the last 10 years. And bits of it are great. Mm-hmm. But I Those don't... bits are amazing. Yeah. But I don't think it's as good as people actually made out it to be. And I don't think it was as good as... Well, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time I saw it. If you watched a movie, you would have, but your wife didn't enjoy it, so you stopped enjoying it. No, well, I enjoyed the whole safe bit at the end. I thought Mm. that was really good. But I think, I don't know, I I think I'd probably got the highlights of it in my head and I remember the good bits, but there is a couple of quite slow bits. Mm -hmm. And ironically, I just kept thinking of Superfast the whole time (laughs) I was watching it. Maybe Superfast ruined it. Maybe Superfast did ruin it. So if you haven't watched Superfast yet, go and watch Fast Five again before you watch (laughs) Superfast. But anyway... And, yeah, the the other movie that we watched together, my wife and I, is Con Air. And, again, that's a movie that everyone raved about how this is a really good action movie. But I don't think that really held up. No, you should watch The Rock, then. Well, we we have... We have The Rock and Con Air in a double pack DVD, mm. so maybe that is next on the agenda. But Let's see if that holds up, because I remember it being really good, but I haven't watched it for a long, long time. The bits I remember from Con Air being good were still good. Steve like Buscemi. Steve Buscemi and like his one-liners. And, and Nicolas Cage's hair. No, that was terrible. It's amazing. And I thought John Malkovich was still very good as Cyrus, Cyrus the, virus. the Virus. I didn't remember that Dave Chappelle was the, the crackhead guy that was pinball, was his character. I didn't remember that Did he, he was in the Did he make anyone buy a new couch? No. No. But he did kind of get squashed in the undercarriage of the plane. Spoilers, if you haven't seen Connor. Oh. That was my solo watching. Mm-hmm. And there is one other thing we probably just should mention on the yeah. end here. And no, that's something that we watched doco. together. Yes. We watched the doco The Sheik, which is based on... Not based, based on... It's, it's, it's about... It's a documentary it's a <laughs> about the wrestler, the iconic wrestler from the 80s... Well, I know him from the 80s, but he was around a bit longer than that. Yeah. The Iron Sheik. Yeah. And it's... If you don't know who the Iron Sheik is, you're probably not the right demographic for this 
podcast. Mm. But the Iron Sheik was world champion prior to Hulk Hogan back so in the eighties, early eighties, and yep. he's legit Iranian. And he, Tehran from Tehran, Iran. Yep. Tehran is the capital of Iran. If I, know, know I don't know geography at all. I was a qualified travel agent for a year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, he he came to America following a bit of an uprising in Iran, and originally he was coaching the uh, U.S. Olympic team. For, I think it was the 82 Olympics or something. No, 78 yeah, yeah. Olympics. Yep. And he decided that from there he 76. would get into 76. Yes. So yeah, 76 Olympics. <laughs> and from there he decided that he was going to get into professional wrestling. And he started in the same training class as Ric Flair. Oh, wow. Right. As part of the AWA. So Vern Gunn. Vern Gunn, yeah. And there was a couple of other people that were in that training class as well that were names, if you know wrestling, but probably no one to the caliber that Ric Flair or the Iron Sheik was. Mm. But he started off being just not a caricature of what an Iranian is. But he realized that if he was going to make it big, that he needed to cash in on the whole America's fear of the terrorists and, Mate, and was that a, sort of stuff. There was 76 Olympics? Or what Argo was about? Oh, um, following on from that, there was 1979, the hostages. American Embassy hostage crisis, which went Hostage there, crisis like, and the whole. Um, um, Ayatollah. Yeah, and the petrol oil crisis that was going on at the time. So he, he turned himself into a villain. Yeah, he, he basically shaved his head, grew his moustache out and like waxed it, made it curly and started wrestling in pointy boots and became the Iron Sheik. The one of the biggest heels of the of that era, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting because they sort of go over what it was like for him in the 80s where there's a term in wrestling which is heat, which is where, you know, how much the fans love you or how much the, the fans hate you. And he talked about how there was like legitimate heat where he was worried for his life that the fans were going like to jump the railing and stab him because they hated him so much. Because, I mean, I, we joke that wrestling is not real but the fact that back then I mean now it's widely known as because um, Vince McMahon owner of the WWE said no we don't do wrestling now that's a real sport what we do is entertainment so we don't have to pay all those sports taxes yeah so it's it's very much out there that it isn't real even though everyone suspected it or a lot, but there are a lot of believers out there, and especially in the early 80s, there were a lot of believers. So when yep. you've got this Iranian going out, you saying America sucks in the heartland, and you're telling him that, you, you could understand that you would be um, worried for your life. Yeah, exactly. And quite ironic, and I remember being a young wrestling fan when it happened, that he was feuding with the newcomer to the WWF, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was all-American, you know, carrying his 2 by 4 and waving his American flag. And the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Duggan actually got arrested for speeding or pulled over for speeding and they found that they had like a bunch of cocaine and marijuana in their car and it was a massive thing that these two guys that were meant to be arch enemies were caught driving a car together and partying on basically and from then the Sheik's career kind of bottomed out for a little I mean while. like most wrestlers I mean unless you're Hulk Hogan or someone like that you, you peter out you, you sort of get older the spots are gone and if you don't die at a ridiculously early age like a lot of them you work more and more smaller and smaller shows. You do signings at these little conventions, and, and it's quite a sad life to see. Yeah, there's and, a lot of wrestling docos out there that show this. And Sheik actually says that in he went from you know Pontiac Silverdome with ninety three thousand people for WrestleMania three to wrestling in a high school gym with ninety three people, and it's just not that same sort of feeling. And his health was getting bad. His career was pretty much bottoming out. They show him going to these like legends of wrestling conventions with a very fat honky-tonk man and a couple of other wrestlers that kind of you look at and go, oh, that's what happened to that guy. Well, it's kind of weird. Um, the doco, like the, fir- the first third, I suppose, first half, is about archival footage of him wrestling and him yep. in Iran and all this sort of stuff. 
And then you've got these guys narrating and talking to him, and it turns out like he's doing these terrible... Not terrible shows, but it's sort of like... It's a very much... Like I said, down from 93,000 people. Yeah. And these guys were big fans in Canada. These guys are in Canada, and they were big fans of The Sheik. And I don't know how they found him. I can't remember. Well, they're twin brothers, I think, and their names are Jean and Paige Majin. I think how mm. you pronounce their name. But they... Yeah, they met him at some indie show. Mm. And they decided that they would try and uh, get backstage and meet him and sort of go, you know, you were a hero in the 80s. We love you. And they realised how down and out he was. And... I don't know if it's that they were trying to help him or they were more the point that they were trying to exploit No, him. I think it started off they wanted to help him. Because they can see a chance to help him. So the doco sort of turns from there that it was all this archival footage into them filming him. Yeah, so they become his business managers. And they, and this is footage of him at home. They're talking to his family. This is what he's doing now. And he's talking to camera about yep. these times. So... The, Throughout this early part of the doco, it was him talking to camera as well, tell, yeah. telling you about these times. So this is where this footage comes from. Yep. And he's talking, and he had one hell of a life. There was a lot of drugs going into his system. There was yep. a, like He was doing crack and a lot of other things like yeah, that. And, and, still, and we're talking he's 50 now, 50, 60. Oh, I'd be probably 60. So and he's still doing a lot of crack. Probably not as much as he did <coughs> at one stage. They, they talked about how he had quite a strange relationship with his daughters because he was always on the road and mm. any time that he was actually home he would be more like a coach for them and he would make them run around the block until yeah, they threw up and stuff. Yeah, but one of his daughters when she was an adult was killed by an angry boyfriend mm. and after that he, he kind of made a massive downward spiral and got really into the crack and became quite destitute mm. But what I thought was actually good, his wife that he was married to from back in the heyday actually stuck by him the whole time. But then, yeah, these two guys kind of got behind him and tried to make him a bit more He's become a media, a very much an internet sensation. They run his Twitter account, which is quite popular. And it's all legit from what we can gather. It's like things he says... They retweet under his name. Yeah. So he'll just make comments on the news. Justin Bieber, you're fucking ass, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. they'll just put it out there as him. And I think they said in the movie that it came about following the Michael Richards incident where he dropped That's the right. N-bomb mm. in that comedy show. So they, they showed it to the Sheik and then they filmed his reaction uh, on the YouTube to YouTube clip. That's right. And they put it on YouTube. And it got like, you know, a million hits or something. Very within, quickly. Very quickly. And then from there, they thought, we've got something here. We can, yeah, we can do it. And, it. and I think that's where I kind of fell down with the whole fact with mm. are they supporting him or are they just because we discussed it when we were watching because it was pretty sad that they're pushing him out and he's become a character to it oh definitely and it, it's a it's a comedic one now where he comes across as a crazy old man he'll fuck you up the ass he'll make you humble and he's got sort of catchphrases that he's saying to people yeah. and they know which buttons to push he was on Howard Stern and they were pushing him and he was playing up to it and he comes across as crazy I think he knows what's going on but it, it almost comes across as like, do you even have any clue? Yeah, and we were wondering, it's like, are they exploiting him or are they helping him? And then I think at the time I was saying, I think he's he he, he would have nothing otherwise. Yeah. And well, he loves it. Like we're saying, he was in, he was used to be in front of 93,000 people. This puts him in front of an audience again. Yeah, where without this, he had nothing. Yeah, and now he's got two million Twitter followers or what have yeah. you. So I... I <sighs> It's, it is exploitative in a lot of ways, but it's also what he wants. Yeah. But there was a scary scene, which was really sad, where... And I mean, maybe it was set up for the cameras, I don't know. But he turns up to, a, like, a Denny's or a, or a Dave & Buster's or something. Yeah. It was like a family restaurant with a lot of pennies and, like, video games and all that sort of stuff. We walked in and had... Wearing his Hall of Fame wrestling Hall of Fame T-shirt. Yeah. Put his wrestling belt, <coughs> championship belt over his shoulder, and he just went into the restaurant. So like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, people talk to me. 
Oh, yeah, and he had and his he, big bag of 8x10s and he was like, oh, I want to buy a photo. <coughs> and he was selling photos of himself yeah. and stuff like that and getting free meals. And I was like, maybe I'm happier that he's being exploited because he's getting sort of legit coin as opposed to just trying to milk off going into a Denny's and yeah. hoping people get I, excited about seeing him. I, I don't know. I read, uh, as I do, I read the wiki afterwards about mm. like these, this pair of people that are, are helping him. And apparently they tried to make the film early on, like 2011, they started filming it. <coughs> And they just couldn't get distribution for it. And then they actually crowdfunded to get distribution. And the extra money that they made, they gave to Sheik so he could have a hip replacement. Because there's one stage where he's hobbling around in the movie on... on oh, it looked know, terrible. His yeah, foot, his ankle's it, it like just, all turned in. And he's mm. like walking on the inside of his ankle rather than his foot. And it's like, well, you know, he's not in a good way. Mm. But, you know, it, it was strange. It was it was one of those things where you could tell it wasn't WWE endorsed. Because mm. there was no archival footage of WWE. It was all home video. But they managed stuff. to talk to... The Rock and a few other people, Jim Ross, and who aren't affiliated. They are, they are people that aren't affiliated in there. Mm. Well, The Rock obviously is back with WWE, but, but he does his own thing. The Rock was quite interesting because he talked about how he met the Sheik when he was when he was just a kid and his dad Rocky Johnson was obviously around at the same time where Sheik was big and he would be backstage and you know meet the Sheik and when he got into the business the Sheik was the person that actually said to him don't be a jabroni and yeah. he took that word and everyone now associates that word as being the rock's catchphrase but it's he thing. actually acknowledges it in the doco that he's like hang on that's that's not my word that's Iron Sheik's word but yeah, yeah I'd, I'd heard reviews of this on a, on a couple of podcasts and I thought well it's on Netflix you've got Netflix we should watch this yeah and I'm kind of glad we did, but it's one that it's very similar to like Beyond the Mat or something like that. You just it makes you feel sad for the old wrestlers that you know had their heyday, were probably earning a lot of money back in the '80s, and it's now you know, what have they done with it? I mean, the movie The Wrestler is is it? I mean, you watch that and you're seeing a guy who's he was at the top and now he's you know working in a deli. I yeah. mean, it's I know a lot of friends they were watching The Wrestler going, oh my god, it's an amazing film. It's like it's just Jake the Snake story. Yeah, like exactly. for us, we all knew that. It's like we know that that's 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 a typical wrestling story. Not everyone's Hulk Hogan, unfortunately. Yeah. This is just another one of those. And it's like if you don't burn out and die early, unfortunately, the life of the wrestler doesn't generally end well. No, yeah, you either you either die young or you die old and alone and penniless. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not many success stories. I mean, it's better now, and and going forward, it should be better. But wow, it, it's it's yeah. I think the fact now that they have the wellness policy, so they're not. You know, roided up freaks. They're not on all the recreational drugs here. They're not doing the road trips they used to. Well, I mean, in the Fed, you are on the road a lot, but it's not the same as for 20 bucks you're driving yeah. all night to the next show for another 20 bucks it's it's. I mean th- that probably happens amongst the indie scene but it's not like the old territory days no so. but yeah it was it was interesting and sad in the same way mm. I guess but no I'm glad we watched that yeah we watched well, we're a bit we've got the water up to our ankles now so I think it's probably time we should stop recording yes, we probably should before we get washed away in our electronics fries so that's the podcast for the month excellent if you have any comments as usual come and find us on Facebook as you no one does no we get comments every now and then. When was the last one? January, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but we are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on our website, themapodcast.podbean.com. Drop us an email. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all that sort of stuff. And one of the 
other thing I will mention is fan of the show Simon. It's his birthday this week, so happy birthday to Simon. Happy birthday, Simon. Yes, Dance Master 2000. Yeah, we'll just of throw Bray. that out there. So Bird of Bray. Yeah, he'll, he'll get a bit of a chuckle at that. So, <laughs> a little in joke there. But other than that, yes, that's us for this month. And, and I will endorse that you can buy men's clothes at Esprit. Just, just, <laughs> I will say, I'll admit that now, put it on record. Okay. All right, Let, let's wrap it up there before we get Simon into more trouble. All right, see you next month, guys. Thank you, Mitch. See ya. Why would you program this in, you assholes?